Well, hello and welcome to Pastor Plex Podcast, and this is where we are going to discuss uh, questions related to theology and culture, and really try to get into where we are um, as the American church. And uh, so basically what I want to do is I'm going to take the questions from my post-sermon podcast, uh, or rather from the post-sermon questions that I get every week uh, when I uh, preach, and sometimes people ask questions beyond uh, the sermon, and so I'm going to try to address those here uh, in the post-sermon podcast. So this week, uh, we're going to take a look at uh, the question, when does prayer become superstitious? In other words, when is it trying to attempt to have God bless your deal? Great question. Uh, prayer is one of those uh, things that is sort of mysterious in that you are talking to God, and when you are talking to God, it would seem like there would be some rules and regulations. And so I thought we'd take a look first off at what the Bible says about prayer, because it's all over the place. So let's first go to the Lord's Prayer, which is probably the most famous part of Scripture. Uh, not famous part of Scripture, but the most famous part of where uh, Jesus uh, is speaking and teaching his disciples how to pray. So first off, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. And let's read uh, what Jesus says about prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, so pause real quick. So here we go, back to the question. When does prayer become superstitious? Well, from this scripture, prayer becomes superstitious when you heap up empty words or phrases. In other words, if I say the magic words, then God has to bless my deal. If I say, remember, this is what we said. Remember remember growing up, uh, your parents taught you, what are the magic words? Please and thank you. If you say please and thank you, you will virtually have whatever it is you ask for. And I think there's this part of us that we went to God and Jesus, I said in Jesus' name, and that was being polite, so therefore, give me the cookies. I think there is a part of us that, that goes to that mentality. But here's what's interesting. In Acts uh, chapter uh, 19, all right, Acts 19, uh, Paul is doing miracles. In fact, Acts 19, 11 says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So even handkerchiefs or aprons that touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Now, watch this. 
So Paul was having such powerful effect that people would say, hey, listen, I need to get healed. I can't make it to Paul. I know he preaches about Jesus. I believe he's got the power to heal me. And they said, hey, take this handkerchief. He'll touch it. And the fact that he touched it, I know he's got the power to heal because Jesus, he met Jesus. He's got, he can do it. And, and they believe. And I, I think in the same way, remember the woman uh, who is healed by Jesus when she just says, if I just touch his cloak, I'll be healed. And she had that issue of bleeding for 12 years, and she'd been to doctor after doctor. Same sort of thing is going on here in Acts 19. But they said, so what the, the sons of Siva did, they were not Christians, but they said, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, they were using Jesus as magic words. They were invoking his name as magic words, and that is superstition. Don't pray like that. Well, well, then how should you pray? All right, how about this? Luke 11 gives us a little bit of a better picture of how to pray. And, and remember, this isn't—I love the question. Is, it, is prayer just about getting God to bless your deal? Well, watch, watch what Jesus says. Remember, he's, it's essentially—Luke is recounting the same story. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples— and he said to them, when you pray, say this. Here's exactly what you should say. <laughs> Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Okay, so there, there's the prayer. Same sort of model. And then he gives the heart behind the prayer. And he says, listen, all of you have had friends, right? We're not talking to people that don't have friends. All of you have friends that live next door and you went to go get something from the middle of the night. And listen, I love this story because it talks about having kids are in bed with the parents, and it's a bad night when the kids are in bed with the parents. Okay, now granted, in this culture, everybody slept in the same bed. Uh, intimacy was a little d difficult to come by, but watch this. If any of you had children in bed with you, it's been a rough night, you're exhausted, and the last thing you want is your neighbor knocking on the door, and you just want him to go away. And so uh, Jesus says, which one if you have a friend, a visitor comes to you in the middle of the night and you go ask for some bread and you don't stop knocking. Now, he's not going to give you bread because um, you're his friend, but he'll give you bread because you are so impudent is how the ESV translates it. So bold. So like you don't care. You're going to make sure you get that bread because you have a need that you need met. And that is, listen to this. He says, listen, your father in heaven isn't like a, sort of the angry, grumpy neighbor. He is a perfect father in heaven. So don't look at him like that, but how much more will your father in heaven respond to you? Okay. Or then he, then he takes it like this. Now, which one of you, you guys are evil, but you know how to be good fathers. You know how to give good gifts to your children, even though you're evil. And what he's saying is when you're saying you're evil, what he's saying is you're, you're, you're sinful. You're, you're of the flesh. You have a you know, sinful nature. And yet you know how to give decent gifts to your children. When your son asks you, look at this, I love this, in Luke 11, uh, verse um, 11, Luke 11, 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? How many, when you ask for a fish, you're going to just give him a snake? Or when you ask for an egg, will give him a scorpion, right? Nobody does that. Nobody, hey, can I have some scrambled eggs? How about a scorpion? Ah, a scorpion! Nobody does that. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, watch this, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Isn't that a strange thing? 
I love that he puts the Holy Spirit in here. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The very thing you need is the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. That is the Spirit of the living God to live in you. And that way, watch this, whenever you pray, and you pray accordance with the Spirit of God, you will get whatever you ask. And I think what's hard for us is I don't think we understand how powerful or how good our God is. So back to the question, right? So the question, uh, let me say it for you again, because I think we got to come back. When does prayer become superstitious? Attempt to have God bless your deal kind of a thing. When? When you're not praying in the spirit, you're praying in the flesh. When you're just sort of pleading with God, not really recognizing the fact that he is good. So if you don't have it right now, there's a reason for that. And God is using that reason. God is asking you to trust him with the reasons that he has and that you may never know this side of heaven. He is good. But at the same time, he is all-powerful. He can say yes to any prayer. At any moment, that debt can be canceled. At any moment, a check could arrive in the mail. At any moment, you could literally get uh, an email from Nigeria saying you are the heir of some uh, rich, rich, rich prince, right? I mean, anybody at any time can get that. And God has the power to do those things. But the question is, do we trust him as a father? And this gets back into all sorts of issues. Because isn't the real issue that we have is we don't trust God like a good father. Our problem is we don't, we look at God as either grumpy or stingy or angry or maybe not even good. And that becomes the issue. All right. So I think what can happen, what I think can happen is that it's, we can, we can get around to that God is good and we can get to around that God is powerful. And then remember, this is where it gets challenging. Let's go back to Matthew six. Uh, this is where it can get frustrating, right? Because he said in, in Matthew 6 that um, when you pray, uh, verse 8, do not be like the Gentiles who think they'll be heard because of the many words. For your Father knows what you need before, you're before you ask him. So whenever I hear this question, I inevitably go, well, then why am I praying? If God already knows what I need, if he is a good Father who will give me what I need. Why would I need to pray? Why? And I think there's something very profound in this. And I want to take us on a little bit of a journey. Uh, I want to go to Job. I think, gosh, this is where I, I'm going to do some Bible drill of my own. Um, go to Job. And if you can hear my pages turning, I'm trying to desperately get there as fast as I can. Go to Job. <clears throat> Uh, chapter 30, gosh, 30, no, 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 chapter 40, uh, 42, okay, 42, last chapter of Job, and so Job's, Job has just, you know, talked to God, God's talked back to him, he's, you know, pretty much shut him down, and then he says, listen, your friends were no help, they were bad, and, uh, he goes, the, the, after the word had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken me what is right as my servant Job has. Now look at this. Now therefore take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I'll accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken to me what is right as my servant 
Job has. Verse 9. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namahite went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Now look, no, no, this is big. God already knew that Job, he told, <laughs> this is so crazy, he tells uh, the, offend, the, the offenders to go to Job, have Job pray for them, and then Job, or, or sorry, God will hear Job's prayer and then forgive them. Why can't we just circumvent the system and just have him forgive them? What is so powerful about Job's prayer? And I think what's beautiful, and this is what has always been beautiful about what God is doing. He, he watched this. The question then, would Job's friends been forgiven if Job doesn't pray? No, they wouldn't have. God intentionally had Job be the activator of his will. And I think it's for the principle that God activates his will through his people's prayer. You know, this is big, right? This is big. And this isn't the only time this happens. But I want you to think about that. God activates his will through his people's prayer. That means if you didn't pray, it wouldn't happen. But because God knew you would pray, maybe even instructed you to pray, then it happens. And you're like, well, Chris, does that mean that every time I, I pray something that it's going to happen? No, that's why you have the Holy Spirit, and that's why you pray according to the will of God. Anything you pray according to the will of God, God uses his people to activate his will so that you can share in taking part in the glory of God. Where else do I see this? Okay, watch this. Uh, do you remember, okay. oh gosh, is it 1 Kings 18? Um, okay, maybe uh, it's the Lord. Yes, here we go. Uh, this is when, um, first Kings 18 is when, uh, you find, um, a, uh, Elijah, Elijah is going to go to Ahab, right? So this is, um, chapter 18, first Kings 18, verse one, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. Okay. Watch, watch. He instructs. Uh, Elijah to go to Ahab and that he then will send the rain. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria and Ahab called Obadiah who was over the household. Okay, he's going to go into this whole thing. He's going to be like all freaked out. But then eventually once, watch this, once Elijah sees Ahab, um, he tells him, look, uh, he, tell, he gives him the prophecy and then he says to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there's a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the mount, top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up, now look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. He said, go again, seven times. At the seventh time he said, hey, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. At the hand of the, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel so that he could proclaim that the reason why it was raining was not because of Ahab, but because of Yahweh. All right. In other words, God told Elijah to go to Ahab and proclaim uh, what God was about to do. And then he prayed. He activated the will of God through his prayer. Now, this is why this is so powerful. This is so powerful. There's a part of this, 
like prayer has so much power and, and you're just like what do you mean prayer has so much power well granted it has the power to change things because you're activating god's will and god's will does change the status quo right but i want to show you something even probably you've missed uh go to james uh chapter five and this is one of the i i, I preach on this all the time and um about how powerful prayer is in terms of healing people. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. I, and, and I am talking about physical healing. I am talking about that. But I'm talking more about the healing from the damage that sin has done. Now, now look at this, James chapter 5. Uh, I, I just love this. Um, is, anyone, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Okay, so suffering. If you're suffering, pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Praise is another form of prayer. It's a worship song, and you're enjoying who God is. You're saying, thank you, God. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. So there's this reality of if you are sick, have the elders come and pray over you and anoint your head. And so that we could see like a physical, tangible representation of a God's deep care for you and that ultimately your soul's healing is in his hand, right? Right? Okay, you got that. Now, physical healing is also in his hand, but ultimately our soul and our body will be completely healed when we're with Jesus in heaven. Now, watch. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, now watch this one. Verse 15b. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And I say this all the time. When, whenever there's sin, whenever there's darkness, whenever there's shame, you confess it and then somebody prays over you. What do they pray over you? God, help this person not to be a sinner. No, you pray, God, I pray this person would not feel the shame. I pray that they'd be reminded that Jesus died on the cross for their sin and the darkness of their heart and all the struggle that they're facing. God, please do a mighty work in this person's life. Would you help them feel and recognize the love that for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and that prayer. God, please, would you heal? Would you, men, would you do a great work in their life? And they would get to experience great, great, great joy. And that, my friends, is power. And that's what everybody needs. And so when we talk about prayer, yeah, sure. Um, it doesn't take great faith. It takes a faith the size of a mustard seed, enough faith to go, God, please, I'm coming to you. But ultimately, it's his power, it's his will, and it's his goodness that he answers our prayer. But he activates his will, even when it comes to the stuff going on in your life, through his people's prayer. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that exciting to know, to know, especially if, you've, if you're called to pray for somebody, that God is executing his will through your prayer. And that's where we get to take part. Um, in the great work that God is doing. And I, and I tell this to people all the time. I start with my children right now. I've got a, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, one-year-old. And whenever they lose something, which is all the time, my first question to them is, have you prayed about it? And I get an eye roll. Like, of course you get an eye roll. Have you prayed about it? Well, I no, go pray about it. I don't want to pray about it. Maybe you need to endure patience and you need to trust the Lord that he will answer your prayer. And this is what's hard. Here's what's hard as a parent. I want to find the thing and I want God to come through for them. 
I do. And I'm risking God's name by praying for something, like whenever they lose their stuffed animal, whenever they lose the remote control, whenever they lose uh, a Pokemon card, whenever they lose whatever it is they're losing, and I don't want them to grow in a place where they don't trust God. And I'm like, God, especially when it's a when it's something they really care about and they're in tears about it. I'm like, God, please, 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 would you come through for me? In fact, I did this um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was uh, fishing with my uh, sons, Austin and Jet. Austin's seven and Jet's five. And Austin catches a fish like every time he puts a line in the water. It's just bizarre. Everything he does, it just seems like it goes well for him. And poor Jet is always living in that shadow. And Austin catches another fish, and it's a huge fish. And um, he's everyone's celebrating Austin, and I just see Jet's heart melt, and he just wants to catch a fish. And I remember praying, God, please, please let Jet catch a fish nothing. And, um, uh, Adrian, my wife and, uh, her, her dad and Austin all go in. I'm like, Jet, let's stay out here for just a little while longer. And I prayed, I said, let's ask God for a fish. And we prayed and it was well past the time when fish would be coming out. It was getting too hot. And I said, God, would you please do something? Please do something. And I prayed. And then what happened? And then, and then Jet prayed. And then God, I, I remember I said I, I set this alarm. I set a five. I, we stayed out there for twenty minutes, and I said, "Listen, I got. We're gonna set up an alarm for five more minutes, and uh, and at the end of that five minutes, we're gonna go in." And it went five, four, three, two, one. And as the alarm went off, the bobber went into the water, and Jet had a fish. I'm like, "Reel it in, reel it in, reel it in." And I was like, "You did it, you did." Like it was, just, and then we we for a moment we stopped and we celebrated and we thanked. God, and here's what some of you skeptics would say, like, Chris, he would have caught that fish anyway. Okay, maybe, maybe. But for someone who believes in an invisible kingdom and not an imaginary one, that moment became so special to me because my God came through. And um, when you have children and you're just, you love them so much and you just, it wrecks your heart when they get sad. It was powerful to watch Jet's face, partly because um, when he, he's, I love how honest he is, because when I pray, I don't hear God, I don't hear God's voice, God doesn't talk to me, and I say, but Jet, did he answer your prayer? Yes, Daddy. And I think it starts there, just, just, just mustard seed faith. Just itty bitty faith. Just the Daddy faith of, uh, he asks for a fish, I don't give him a snake. And we asked for that fish, and God gave him one. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend that I have all the answers on prayer and how God does it and how he mysteriously comes in, but it's not a sense just to bless your deal, but to grow in intimacy, to be a take part in the action of God's mission here on this planet. That's why I'm constantly praying for people to be saved, so I can take part in the greater fish. God, would you allow this person to come to faith? We need you, God. So uh, that's a, a long answer to a really short question of uh, when does prayer become superstitious? And so we know from God's word when it becomes superstitious, and I can tell you from in practice when it becomes superstitious. But we don't go to God saying, God, if you're not real or you have to, if I do this, then you'll do this. That is conditional, transactional prayer. That's what people of other religions do. But when you are in a covenantal relationship with God that's not transactional, it's not like, if I do this, God, then you have to do this. It's covenantal. It's like, because you love me, God, would you do this? And he would say, I love you, and I won't because I love you. 
That's beautiful. And that's the relationship you want. So prayer activates his will. Prayer draws us into intimacy, and it grows our trust in him that he's a good, good father. All right, guys, that's enough for this week, and I'll see you next time.